0: You're listening to Fascinating Women with Mark Laurie, And now, Mark Lurie.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Mark Laurie from Inner Spirit Photography. Actually, that's why I'm usually doing my day job. What I do now, this is our Fascinating Women podcast. I'm thrilled that you could join us now. Today, I've got Adele joining us. My assistant said, oh, the singer. I said, no, someone even far more impressive. <laughs> and she, she stole had, my name <laughs> what's that
2: she stole my name
1: yeah she did you'll have to write a song about it. have her sing it so welcome adele welcome
2: yeah thank you mark pleasure to be here
1: oh it's gonna be so much fun now I've, i met adele gosh years ago and she created through a friend of mine this this concoction of a powder, the healthiest thing I think I've ever had. It initially was supposed to be a, a, a cleanse of some sort. And they, they say that when you finish a cleanse, you're done because it's so horrible. I ain't rather enjoying it. And so I've been on it. That's my breakfast every day now for the last couple of decades.
2: Yeah, it's been a while.
1: It has been, it's been a long <laughs> time. So my mind, you're always like this, this nutritionist that made this really, really killer powder that got me healthy. But as we learn to talk, you're pretty diverse with, with what you've acquired over the years with your different degrees in, in literature and art and so on and your, your spiritual focuses and so on. How did you wind up on that path?
2: Well, let's say, you know, I'm 66 years into the, the journey, so I've certainly had time to collect and develop some tools.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And... Um, How did I end up there? I guess, I mean, my parents owned a craft and hobby store for 50 some years in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. So um, name a craft and either I've done it or my sister's done it, but our minds are very different. She likes instructions and tools and patterns and, you know, I like to cut and paste and glue gun and, and stuff like that. And so um, certainly that that artistic and creative gene came very naturally. And then um, I had a Scottish grandma that lived in a little, little town in Saskatchewan. Um, And she got me going out collecting, let's say as an example, wild roses to make skin tonic or um, we'd make soap or or bath lotion out of oatmeal, things like that. So I kind of got into lotions and potions at about 10 years of age. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And um, music, I just, I don't know what happened or why, but I was at another relative's farm in Saskatchewan and there was this old organ, it was my aunt. And I just sat down and played a song and I guess it was about four. So music was just there for me. And so that planted some seeds on the path right away that were pretty easy to cultivate, and you know, then I did the seventies wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I really embraced that whole thing. Um, you know, I was uh, thirteen when Woodstock came out. So um, yeah, and then I, you know, I just always knew I would be a teacher mm-hmm. from the from kindergarten on. I was I was always the teacher. And so now I would say, I'm not always the teacher. I'm very often the student and, um, you know, we're as Tina Turner would say, we're at our best when we are teaching and learning from each other. So I learn things and then I teach those things.
1: And um, I understand the quickest way to get information back into yourself is if you repeat it back out effectively, then you've learned it twice. Like it, it's it goes deeper inside
2: well if you're a true teacher you don't show up unprepared yes so it's i i have a class right after this and um you know we're going to delve into i work a lot with color and oils and plants and and whatnot and food and um so we are going to study lemons today Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh all all things that lemons can do for us and um then we're going to delve into the color of deep red in little uh, potions that are made out of flowers and herbs and oils and wavelengths and I, i like all things color sound vibration light fascinated by light so, so it's a yoga class <laughs> but it is not your typical yoga class and today they might be a little shocked because they each get a notebook mm-hmm. and you know you got things to learn
1: yeah I can imagine that <laughs> what's been the most um stretching thing you've done the thing was your was the biggest event that you've done that you look back and said wow that that changed the course of my thinking or the course of my direction of my life.
2: Uh, getting healthy yeah. after um, getting very sick. So that's when I started making that tremendous powder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was rather interesting. I mean, I'd always led a fairly healthy life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, love to cook, cook from scratch, wasn't a junk food kind of person, um, love the outdoors kind of thing. But I was kind of lying to myself. Like I hadn't fully embraced, you know, being on a healthy path Mm -hmm. and I got very sick with a whole bunch of stuff that came tumbling down all at once and a few misdiagnoses. And I'll give you just an example. Um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which it ended up I didn't have, but I was medicated for that.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: that particular medication led to digestive issues, Mm -hmm. which I was medicated for that. And on and on it went. And that was combined with um, having cancer. So it was like I started with this cancer diagnosis. But as it went on, everything just snowballed into more and more problems. So one day I was like, Oh my God, I'm on nine prescriptions, nine. So I am going to back it out one at a time. And I am going to, uh, first of all, figure out, um, if I, if I can spark up my spirit to get healthy. Uh-huh. So I decided to go see the Dalai Lama who, um, was in Calgary, actually, with a conference at the time. And I paid my extra fee to be able to have a private small group with him where we could ask him personal questions. And, uh, and the Dalai Lama was great, but the big takeaway wasn't the Dalai Lama. So it was a man by the name of David Wolf, mm-hmm. who is kind of, at the time, was the poster boy for superfoods. So he showed up in this panel. He looked like he crawled out of a cave. He had a poncho on. His hair was crazy. (laughs) Um, And he was talking about these foods uh, that could heal your body. And um, kind of, I I, I guess, invigorate your spirit as well. And um, so I was phonetically writing them out. Mm -hmm. maca, Lukuma, Miskite. I didn't know what any of these were. Um, and then I started researching them and figuring out, well, MACA can help with endurance. It can balance hormones, you know, and, and figuring out how to make something that would heal me, which ended up to be that powder Mm
0: -hmm. and,
2: um, and to stick with that for, it was a two-year process to, in in terms of a stretch, Mm -hmm. a two-year stretch, Um, of uh, really I mean I went to meet David Wolf I spent time in the kitchen with him I went to summits conferences took courses you name it and um, really figured out how to heal myself Mm -hmm. because certainly nobody else was figuring it out (laughs) (laughs) so that's my biggest stretch
1: from the base of how you approach things today or is was that just one more niche along the way that you're already deep ingrained in the, I guess the the alternate arts or the the softer sciences
2: no it was um giving up a lot that I as I said I embraced the 70s in a wholehearted way so um and then I just you know I just completely quit alcohol mm-hmm. um And I wouldn't say that alcohol was a particular problem for me. Mm -hmm. It was just the way that um, my peer group embraced the use of alcohol was, I was like, this really is not serving my body or my mind well, so I'm just going to give that up. And it's interesting when you do that, how much resistance there is, you know, because if you're like the partier that sits at the piano and sings and all of a sudden, you're stone-cold sober and you're looking around you and people want you to you know participate in their in their party and it's like my party's just fine thanks i'm good uh so that was a big stretch for me to just put the brakes on um you know a big part of my lifestyle and how i interacted with my friends and family so I kind of forget what your question was, Mark. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's cute. It was, it was just if, if, the, if that was a, was a sudden right turn change or if your life had been building to that change of, of doing the research and, and getting more involved with the, with the powders and, and that type of lifestyle.
2: That was a right turn change. I mean, I found myself, I, I used to host these uh, incredible Halloween parties right. when I lived in Calgary.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and um, oh, when I was, you know, I'm not drinking, everybody else is drinking and um, partying and, you know, I mean, I can't, I was a smoker, a cigarette smoker for years and I just decided, well, that's ridiculous. In the 80s, I was like, oh, that's a stupid choice. But this not drinking um, around, being surrounded by everybody drinking was mm-hmm. a big right turn change for me. And I found myself at a Halloween party and everybody's having fun. And um, I'm thinking, geez, am I really missing out? So then my brain said, um, hmm, I can take a bottle of wine and I can put it in a Pyrex um, measuring cup, put it in the microwave, boil off all the alcohol, quickly dump that into an ice bath cool it down Mm -hmm. it has gone from let's say 14 percent to less than one percent of alcohol when you open the microwave it's just wafting out at you (laughs) and um and then i would funnel it back into the bottle and i put a little bow on it so that i knew that that was mine right so then that took away all the um you know nobody was bugging me I just say well I'm drinking this wine because it's organic or it doesn't have sulfides or whatever and I would just drink that wine and sometimes people would drink it by mistake and they wouldn't even be able to tell the difference so um yeah I mean I really made that sounds like a small change but when all of your social activity revolves around getting together And having drinks, that was a really big change for me. So and I didn't see it coming. It just became necessary to do it.
1: Did did that trigger you changing your circle of
2: friends? Uh no, but you know, it it, I now have these um what would I say? I I mean this particular these last two years have been a little bit different Mm -hmm. because I I have these pods of circles now. So I have a yoga mm-hmm. circle, which I haven't been able to really be face-to-face involved with the last two years. Right. I sing in a choir, which of course our choir hasn't been able to meet mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Yes. So I still kept the same friends, mm-hmm. but in addition to that, I created these other social circles that are equally important. Mm -hmm. for me to engage with
1: pods i like that phrase you call them these pods of friends
2: yeah yeah and right now you know i'm creating my own tribe here Mm -hmm. so by starting this i I i've had um a group in yoga i have a yoga studio in my house Mm -hmm. and so for about the last four years i've had this group that meets three times a week Mm -hmm. And one of the members is my husband. So he's very, you know, he's very motivated to ski. Mm -hmm. And we are the youngest in the group. So the oldest participant right now is going to be 79. And he's still skiing double black diamond runs in thigh deep powder through trees. So um, he takes his yoga seriously. So that's interesting Mm -hmm. that he's come into that aspect of my life, which he never thought he would ever do. Um, But now I've just started this new group of women. And um, I'm going to turn them into another little pot of mine. I don't know if they know that yet. (laughs) but Because um, they might be on to me, I'm not sure. But what I found is that people thirst for spirituality. Mm -hmm. But nobody offers them up a viable way to um embrace it or grow it or um and then all of a sudden when that happens it's like they're fully invested and you know after three weeks it's please don't stop this we really need this we want this Mm you know um so I'm I'm kind of in a part of my life now where I can be of service it's kind of funny I have to charge them ten dollars or else it'll all fall apart and I've seen it happen before you think I don't need the $10 from four people. Um, But if you don't do it, there has to be an exchange. They have to feel like, um, you know, there's some sort of energetic exchange coming from them, not just from me, or it all, it all. They're like, well, we'll cancel because she probably doesn't want to do it anyway, or she'll Mm -hmm. cancel because you know, there's nothing in it for her kind of thing so this little exchange makes this this work and it kind of feeds my desire to um, continue learning and teaching Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: learning new things and I am building now this group of like minded people here in a little place that only has a stable population of about 60 people so um, you have to find what you need and then make it happen. And I'm pretty good at making that happen.
1: (laughs) So. Well, the community is still gonna build that. Do you have any inspirational quotes that guide you?
2: Well, I guess Bob Marley's quote is my favorite quote. Which one's that? Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my mind has been a, it's a very busy mind and it's been a bit of a trickster. And so dealing with that, I mean, I think once you master um, the direction that your mind takes you and you get to drive that, mm-hmm. um, it's like, like a big, aha, uh-huh, thank God, because, um, you know, if you let your mind be in control of things um, it can spin out of control very easily and I certainly did do that a lot so now I'm yeah emancipate yourself from mental slavery none but ourselves can free our minds.
1: mine's a trickster I you heard that phrase used by John Kehoe oh.
2: and I, did, I, I, I didn't know that but
1: you do you know of John Kehoe
2: I do not no oh, I don't
1: John Kehoe uh, kind of way Back in the early 70s, he was one of the originators or was the originator of of mind power, of of harnessing it. And so he was going through different things. And and in his teachings, he talks about the mind's the great trickster. And he says, when you're trying to do something, affect change and so on, it's like you're a general and you're planning this, this frontal attack on your enemy, except your enemy is over your shoulder not only being aware of what you're about to do, but you're thinking behind it. And this is what you're having to defeat. And that's what the mind is. And so he calls the great trickster. And so his, his um, when he's trying to get across is that you, when you try to do something, create change and you fail, you have to recognize that, that the mind won, that the great trickster won. And so he says, it's not easy defeating an entity that knows your every weakness and, and where your biases are and everything. It takes a great single focused mind to get through that. And so that's where I heard the phrase. The ah. I very rarely hear that turn of phrase that the mind's a great trickster. And
2: wow. Well, that intrigues me. I'm going to have to check into you, you his, his
1: teachings. He's, um, he's, I think he's got to be in his seventies, eighties now. Um, and he is an astounding when he started doing everybody said oh my god this guy is so crazy and then they started seeing it was working and other people so now it's a common thing but way back when he started it was it was um it was it was unheard of
2: groundbreaking at the time
1: it was and uh, he's, he's kind of kind of neat that way so what are you curious about right now where does your your minds travel down many many roads what's your biggest curiosity right now that you're trying to unravel
2: Well, I'm diving deeply into how uh, molecular hydrogen
0: Mm
2: -hmm. can um, imprint Mm
0: -hmm.
2: our cells and molecular hydrogen from water. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that um, I'm looking at deeply studying, have ordered a little bit of equipment to really experiment with it. And with the idea that um, molecular hydrogen can uh, reduce inflammation, mm-hmm. um, kill unwanted bacteria in the gut, um, increase circulation. So that's my latest, I want to go sciency, although I'm not a science brain, I'm an art brain. Right. But um, um, the other thing that I'm deeply involved in right now is breath work. hmm and so I've been studying with a lot of schools of breathwork, I've done numerous certifications and um, right from the real holotropic, um, I, are you familiar with that, holotropic breathwork?
1: I believe so, yes. Actually, I took a course on breathwork. It okay. Was, it was fascinating. It's such, it's, it's not that well-known in North America, but in Russia, where I believe it was originated because it'll, it's part of their, um, healthcare system and they Oh, got, I
2: didn't
1: know that yeah oh, the guy that originated it um, and did studies on it he huge body of work because he was able to when the government said great all these soldiers are going to be learning breath work so he was able to see how it changes your face uh, he had two twins that he was working with I think they're like nine years old or little when they started and they were identical twins so he taught the, them both how to do proper breath work how it, it would um, you know relax you by all sorts of things, and four years later, there's a photograph of the two girls. The one girl, had, her face had hardly changed. The other girl hardly looked like her. You could barely see a family resemblance because wow. of how they breathed. So the the power of the breath, um, mm-hmm. and I, I I'll dig up the information for if you like. It's a it's a lady here in town that was teaching it. And it was about a five week course. And it was highly immersive and so yeah. it was great patience to, to teach your body how to breathe differently and uh, what the norm is and so it was uh, so i understand breathwork yes and it's quite, yes. quite a, a powerful um, approach to the system that's also how because you're constantly breathing through your nose and that's got all the uh, as you know all the, the filters to keep out the sickness of viruses and so on it filters it out so your chances of um, I'm getting sick when well, you do proper breath work, reduced fastly. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I've, there's that aspect of it. Um, uh, I studied with Dr. Stan Groff, who was the, I guess, see, physician in residence, let's say at Esalen Institute for a long time. And he and his wife were both psychiatrists and they were studying the effects of psychedelics on mental illness and PTSD and things like that. But then that became very difficult to do in the US. So the two of them developed this breath work that would take the brain into a sort of psychedelic state without needing to do a drug. And so um, that's very extreme breath work. And I've held classes and workshops with that and it's intense. And that's sort of not I want to go, um, day to day. So right now I'm, I'm working with, um, it's called Soma S O M A, um, which means the body. And, um, I also am involved with aura Soma, which has to do with the light body and color.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's an unusual approach because, um, You do a long breath hold and you increase the CO2 in your body and decrease the oxygen, which makes your body want to push oxygen deeper. It's like, oh, she's starving me of oxygen. I better get some oxygen in my blood. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So uh, working with that, and I really like it because it's um, the founder of the school. His name is Naraj. He used to be a pharmacist right and um in the uk and then but he's of i would say east indian lineage mm-hmm. um, he's very into yoga and um but he also when he left being a dj he be, i'm sorry when he left being a pharmacist he became a dj at raves. and uh then he's like this is a crazy lifestyle i got to get off this train he got very sick and um took a year off to get healthy and in that time worked with breath and but what I like about his breath work school is it combines movement uh, rhythm music color all the things that seem for me to mesh together nicely so um, yeah so spending some time daily with that I will see where that takes me
1: How much time has you been with your breath, getting it
0: focused in the morning?
2: Well, this morning, I spent 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually try and do a minimum of 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I can do an hour session. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's very, uh, what would I say, rhythmic breathing. Mm -hmm. I think in all the breathwork schools, even if you go back to you know pranayama with the yogis it's they've known for thousands of years that if we extend our exhale Mm -hmm. we breathe through our nose on the inhale we extend the exhale through the mouth or the nose that we go into that rest and digest state Mm
0: -hmm.
2: that parasympathetic state whereas our culture is mostly in the sympathetic fight or flight state and we need to flip that, and breath work can do that very quickly and efficiently, and it costs nothing
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it's accessible at any time. And, um, I just think it's a really valuable tool. I, I, I really believe that they should teach it in schools. That uh, right now, children and teachers are very stressed out, and um, to do five to ten minutes of breath work would just kind of calm and bomb everything down
0: yeah I,
1: that's what i got from my teachings learnings i guess was how much it short circuits that fight or flight symptom <laughs> and everything in our world you're right you know from the, the social media to the news you know, everybody's discovered that if you want a reaction you you know do this type of hype and the breath work does take you out of it and then gives you clarity of mind because of the oxygen that goes in your body and suddenly you're in this different
0: plane. And it,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's changed me from being a real extrovert with introverted moments into i think being um a highly skilled introvert um <laughs> with some great extroverted moments you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: um it's funny i'm not wired for small talk
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know i don't really i don't care what perfume you just bought or You know, I just, I just, I come into things late. Like, you know, I got onto Bob Marley about 10 years after everybody else did. I I got into the Eagles when I could start seeing them on a video. Um, Just, you know, I, I really take my time, go deeply when it's my time. I don't really get seduced by what's trending or mainstream or that type of thing. Uh, but when I get into it, I really get into it. So I got this sound table made by a really interesting fellow in um, Florida. And his name's Christopher Tim. Okay. And uh, he's very trippy. He, uh, he worked with the Crystal Skull for about seven years. That was the basis of the story of um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And so he's always been big into crystals, particularly quartz crystals. And then he's an acoustic engineer and he plays in a, a biker band. He's a couple years younger than I am. He plays in a biker band, uh, but doesn't, mostly plays biker bars, but doesn't drink. Um, and he also plays first violin, you know. And so he made this sound bed um, it's actually behind me and right now I'm experimenting with that combined with music so and color and light so I've got I've got this mind art um, that's almost like psychedelic colors that go in time with the music while the music is moving through my body like my body's a speaker and I became to really love bob marley through um finding out what an intriguing baseline he has in his music as it moves through your body when you're a challenged meditator you know like making the making the mind go quiet or empty or whatever is just that's just not working for me so if i can follow a baseline as it moves through my body and try to anticipate with my brain where it's going to go next that's a much easier entrance for me into um meditation mm-hmm. so yeah i'm playing a lot with sound and then he he built some uh a tuning fork set that he had made doing the mathematics of the great sacred sites of the earth mm-hmm. so i'm playing around with that in the bio field which i find interesting and um <laughs>
1: yeah it triggers a memory i was when i was in italy we're at one of the monasteries or the churches there and there's a fellow who's a friend of my my buddy there he would take rock and he'd do he'd cut up in thin slices and it became a musical instrument oh and so we're in the middle of this cathedral everybody's being super quiet he's your hand and i bring my hand across and this soft melody playing of course i'm not a musical person like this is like local and this sound came out right and then when we left, at the entrance of the, of the church is this great big um, rock. It was probably 10, 15 feet long and stood about maybe three feet high. It kind of looked over. but I saw in the middle of it was these deep cuts that look similar to what was in the high-pitched rock inside the cathedral. Oh. And no one's paying attention to this rock, right? They're just walking past and forth. I, I recognize these cuts. So I take my hand and run it across it. And there's this bass sound that comes out of it. And of course i just go you know, back and forth like i know what i'm doing and it stopped everybody because the rock this rock was playing music which is the most incredible sensation to visually see music come from a rock like like the brain has a hard time acknowledging that and yet and it was tactile because your fingers would run across the stones these cut stones and would resonate the sound it was it was a singular rare experience for me
2: so i have now just moved you from this category and extended you into that trippy place where <laughs> <laughs> you know you just experienced music coming from a rock
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool this stuff again i'm 66 as well so i've got all these 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 bits and pieces of memories that rocked in, and experiences that from a curious mind
0: which is what i've got explorers into things
2: <laughs> well i always wanted to play the guitar
0: mm-hmm.
2: but it didn't seem i tried it at university I, i'm a music major music educator um my I got one degree in Regina which was Saskatchewan which was exceptional it was called aesthetic education where you teach children kind of a Waldorf approach where all subjects are being taught from the springboard of the arts Mm -hmm. so in one of our courses we had to learn an instrument that we didn't play so Mm -hmm. I chose the guitar and it just didn't feel right it didn't I I don't know I love the sound of it but I just couldn't make it my own i'm a i'm a pianist so um oh about a year and a half ago i was watching a a benefit for the hurricane victims of Mm -hmm. puerto rico right and um stevie wonder was on there as one of the performers and he's got this instrument and he's like and it's got his fingers are on the strings, but they're playing the strings like a piano.
0: Okay. And
2: he's like, hey, you guys, you should see, I have this, my new instrument, it's called the Harpeggi. Um, they make it at one place in the United States. There's only one man that makes them. And I'm about five months into this and he's playing away. And and uh, so I Google that and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a Harpeggi, I guess. So I phone the guy in maryland who makes them and i said did you make a edgy for stevie wonder and he goes yes i did and i said well i'd like one of those but i don't think i'm in the same budget uh, <laughs> as stevie wonder, who, you know who had these incredible graphics and a yeah. platinum album pressed in and James so, Green. <laughs> i want yeah what's what's your low ball end of the edgy? So anyway, the guy was very accommodating, worked with me and um, I played that for a bit and I thought, comes in 12 strings, 16 strings, mm-hmm. and you could get a few more strings. But it wasn't enough. So I phoned the guy back up and I said, you know, how many strings does Stevie wonder have <laughs> on And he goes, 16 strings. So I, I said, I think I need that. Um, I'm being cut short here with the. He's like, okay, well, let's just figure it out. Like, how can we do this for you? So um, that's kind of incredible. So now I'm playing with that because during this lockdown, mm-hmm. I had both my knee joints replaced.
0: Right.
2: And uh, so I was pretty immobile on many levels, but I could sit. And so the Harpeggi was a good when you say, where, where does my mind take me now? Well, that's a good experiment. And um, I'm now playing a stringed instrument. And I was so unaware really at first, you know, I do this, I jump into things. If it knocks on your door, I kind of like open the door and see what it has to say, maybe invite it in. So um, I get this harpeggi and I'm like, "Well, oh, crap, I got, I have to tune this thing I got to figure out how to tune a stringed instrument. I mean, I didn't sign up for that. That's so, uh, anyway, I had to learn that fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, find just find ways to turn on your mind.
1: So, I just pick up on something. You, and a lot of people, I think, either by fear or by practice, they don't do it, that interesting things knock on your door. And you open the door and say, Come on in, we're going to explore this. Do you have a filter for that? Do you have a process that when When something interesting comes along, you embrace it or do you pick and choose what comes along?
0: How's that work?
2: Well, I think I start from the place of this could be possible, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than saying, okay, well, we're going to get this sound bad and you're gonna lie on it and it's gonna excite your cells and that's going to help you heal from surgery or whatever. Instead of saying, that's way too out there. My mind says, "Why not check it out? Mm-hmm. Why is it impossible?" When I first heard about a fax machine, I thought my friend, who's running a travel agency, mm-hmm. says she's going to send me a fax. I said, "I don't have a fax machine," and I'm envisioning like, "How does that work? How is that paper going from there to there?" And so that seemed impossible at the time. Um, you know, the internet seemed impossible at the time, so. Most people will be able to let their brain say, well, however many billion people are on the internet now, I guess that's viable, it's working, they'll buy into things that become maybe commonplace or mainstream, whereas my brain will say, got to start somewhere, let's give it a try. And if it works, I might talk to you about it. Um... You know, I mean, there is a little process there where if it seems too out there for some people, I might not bring it up. But then I find that little bit of that little pod Mm
0: -hmm. where
2: it's like, why don't you come up and try the sound bed and we'll put the lights on. And so I do, I guess I do have some filters, but I, I start with, yeah, this could be possible. Let's, let's not say no to this if we've never tried it. Now, I mean, yeah, there are some limits to what I will try. Um, it has to be legal and it has to be moral. Yes. <laughs>
1: I've, what I've noticed by talking to people over the years that there is the people who do those things have sometime back in the myths have developed um, a filtering system so, so automatic they don't even realize they're doing it that they'll recognize something and it, it kind of goes through, uh, yes, there's enough room to get serious about this. Um, this fits in my life this way. And there's these balance and checks, and then it fits in and on the surface it appears that happens instantaneously. They came across it, they embraced it, they're doing it, and then they move on. And yet there's this really compressed period of time where the brain, the brain and the sensations are making sense of it. And it goes, yeah, go and play with that. It's gonna work. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think that's very relevant in in what we're talking about. That maybe I haven't you know I haven't looked at it from that angle, but maybe at some level, I have trained myself to um, think all things are possible. That potential is unlimited. Somewhere in there, I'm I'm there, and I start from there. Unless you know. It looks awful <laughs> or it smells bad.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I just, I believe that there's a, a process that you're, and the first time I became aware of this was when I was photographing a very um, astute individual. He wanted, to, he wanted to be photographed so he could see what my process was for how I, I do things. And when we finished, he says, I've been watching you. I, said, I don't think you realize three quarters of the stuff that you do to accomplish what you do because it's so part of who you are. That you just go through it. Mm-hmm. And then, because and I, I like to embrace stuff on the front edge that, that my brain sort of finds, well, that's interesting, go and kind of play with it for a short bit. And so that's what came to the conclusion that is, because that, that, there's so many things we can have that come up that appear. And this way, your brain has to s- turn this on and this off. Otherwise, you'll be overwhelmed. I think we have these great systems.
2: Well, also, Mark, you know, the conversation currently is revolving around very limited topics and my brain is just throwing that out you know as I'm sitting there listening um I can kind of put on a persona to get along with everybody that's in this conversation when I don't really I could care less about it I'm just so in a different place than revisiting 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 there's so much new yes yes to embrace that why do we keep going over and over and over the
1: stuff isn't going to change for it yeah that's that's where i've been learning um interesting questions oh
2: that's great great
1: place to be yep and i way back when i was learning sales one of the things that the guy came up and drilled into us was that whoever asks the questions controls the conversation and so you can either go with the flow and it's usually that same routine because people's so a large portion of people's uh, range of conversations is pretty limited in, in the, just their natural state. But as soon as you start injecting interesting questions into the mix, um, then you start to go interesting places. And everyone's got interesting stories and interesting experiences. And it doesn't take much to, and you're, you're not controlling the conversation so much to have a hidden agenda as you are controlling the conversation to make it in itself interesting to find layers that are deeper down that house the weather.
2: Right, exactly. I love that actually. And um, yeah, ask more interesting questions. I'm going to take that on as my project. Maybe I'll make it, that's what I'll focus on in November when I'm socializing mm-hmm. is that I'll take on the part of being, ask, ask a better question, ask an interest ask a question on a completely different topic. Okay. Just follow it down. Been
1: yeah. Well, this has been really cool.
2: <laughs> I've enjoyed it as well.
1: It's so much fun. I never know where these conversations are going to go, but hence the title of my, my podcast, Fascinating Women. Um, there is always these interesting twists and turns and wonderfully unexpected. I love the depth that you've, that you presented to us and the, um, the spin into the, uh, the softer side of things, the psychedelic mind, the breathing, the, the musical instruments I've never heard of. That's so cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Someday I'll take you on a tour of the house. I've got these little, um, secret rooms. I've got the best secret room, Mark. It's, uh, in my closet, through mm-hmm. the closet. Right. And, um, and it is just a magical place of light and sound and color and instruments and wow fence and yeah, I mean you really should experience it. I think, and not in a um, vulgar way or a uh, what would I say, kinky way. Right. I could rent that room out by the hour just so people could just chill out. Exper- yes. I I
1: think I've done photographs of rooms like that. Power rooms that people had where they want to go in and, and center and transform themselves. Then my photographs become the core of it. Ah. They, well, maybe someday
2: them. you'll come to panorama.
1: I'll have to plan on that. That sounds really good. It sounds good. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to wrap it up here. Yeah. And for everybody listening, we've got a really intriguing full-length bio that you can read about uh, Adele in the notes, um, and there's some contact stuff. So if some of the stuff she's doing interests you, I think there's some ways that you can connect with her and become part of her tribe. A very interesting journey that's uh, psychedelic in nature without the drugs. I love that. I love that. That's really good. This has been Mark Laurie from Spirit Photography hosting Fascinating Women with my guest,
0: Adele.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks very much, Mark. Have a great day.
0: This has been Fascinating Women with Mark Laurie. Join us on our website and subscribe at fascinatingwomen.ca. Fascinating Women has been sponsored by Inner Spirit Photography of Calgary, Alberta and is produced in Calgary by Lee Ellis and My Office Media.